on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. Team road trip coming up here. The Cleveland Guardians, the first opponent over the weekend. Then a four-game, all-night game midweek series against the New York Mets. That'll be Monday through Thursday. And then once again with those Pirates, Friday through Sunday. No off days. Uh, And then they come home for the 4th of July holiday for three straight against the Chicago Cubs. And then they'll finally get another off day on the uh, back end of that. Or excuse me. Then they'll play, excuse me, four against the Cubs, three against the Reds. Then the off day is the All-Star break. So no more off days between now and the break. Buckle up. This is going to be a make-or-break stretch of the season. Uh, I tweeted this earlier today. You can join in as well. This is going to be a mailbag-themed episode. Questions, questions, questions. Given it was an off day, we've all let yesterday's series loss sink in by now. You don't need to hear more from me. The Diamondbacks are a good team. They're a very good team. And they were a better team than the Brewers. And that's not a surprise. Uh, The Brewers were not competitive at all on Monday after they got punched in the mouth in the first inning and couldn't recover from that. What a comeback on Tuesday. Best win of the year, maybe, potentially. Being down 4 nothing, uh, Largest comeback win as well. And then they were in it against an ace in Zach Allen. And Julio Tehran, once again impressed. But a couple of little mistakes added up. And then you blink. Trevor McGill had his worst outing in a while. And it was over. So the lack of offense is alarming. And we're going to talk shop about that as well. This first segment, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the Central as a whole. The questions that are upcoming... Uh, go like this. We're going to go in order here of uh, this so you can understand what, where we're headed, right? Uh, in segment two, I'm going to talk about prospects and the farm system. A couple questions on that, specifically a guy like Sal Freelich. Uh, the third segment will be all about the offense, questions received about the offense, what's going wrong, what needs to change, things like that. Fourth segment will be all about trades and the deadline and acquisitions and things of that nature. What do they need to do? Are they buyers? Are they sellers? Who are they going to be targeting? Things like that. Segment five will be all about management. Uh, i got a question about Craig Council in here. got a question about Mark Adonacio. i got a question about the ballpark funding in here as well. And then we'll wrap things up with an all-star update as well. And if you want to chime in, feel free, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. You can also tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O. If you're listening live... Here we're with you until 9 o'clock this evening on WTMJ. So let's start with the Central. This is a dumpster fire in a beautiful way. It's a beautiful colored dumpster fire. The Brewers are in second place right now. And I'm officially labeling, now that we're almost halfway through the year, we can start peaking at standings, right? The trade deadline is about a month away. Now, and like I said, you don't have another off day until the All-Star break. You're going to learn a lot about your team between now and the All-Star break. Are you in this? Are you legitimate contenders? Do you still control the Central like you think you do? Looking at the standings right now, the Reds still lead the way. They have won 11 games in a row. I mean, you can easily coincide it with Ellie De La Cruz's arrival. They're 40-35. and 35. They are a game and a half up on the Brewers, who are 38-36. and 36. Those are the only two teams above 500 in the division. The Cubs now, the Cubs, they've won eight of their last ten. They've been playing much better ball lately, and they are at a crossroads. We'll talk about them coming up 
in the trade deadline segment. The Cubs are 36 and 38, but playing better. They are off the next two days because they're in London. They're playing a two game series over the weekend against the Cardinals. Pittsburgh, they lost again tonight. They have lost 10 games in a row now. They are 34 and 40. Remember, they had they had come into that series getting swept prior to the Brewers series, and they got swept again by the Brewers, and they haven't won. They haven't won in a week and a half. Pirates are free-falling right now. But because this division is so bad, they're still kind of sort of in it. They're five and a half games back. And then the Cardinals, have for mentioned, they're in London. They won't play again until Saturday afternoon. Cardinals are 31-44, and 44, nine games back of the Reds. What do I make of this right now? When I look at the, I, I tweeted this this week too, saying that somebody laughed at me when I said the Reds should be absolutely considered as a threat to the Brewers right now in the Central, given it is wide open. We've talked a lot about the fact that Craig Council pointed it out ahead of that series against the Pirates that nobody has grabbed the division. And that's true. The truth of the matter is, since April, right, since that hot start cooled off, since that series in Seattle, the Brewers are an under 500 team. That's alarming. And with the rest of this division playing better and your key bats really struggling right now, power bats really struggling, got some numbers, I worry what the Brewers are in. They're stuck in this neutral gear, meaning... Are they good enough to win this division on paper? Yes, on paper. But the performance isn't matching up with what should be arriving on paper. Furthermore, if you want to talk about health of an organization, if you want to talk about what this small market team needs to do to stay relevant year after year, they're at a crossroads. You talk to anybody in the in the game, you got to make hard decisions, you got to make Tough calls. You, you can't be both. You can't be both buyers and sellers. And that's what happened to the Brewers last year. They tried to be both. They traded Josh Hader. They tried to buy. You know, they tried to get Rodgers in the mix. They tried to get uh, a guy like Esteri Ruiz in the mix. He barely played in the big leagues. Uh, it didn't work out with Denelson Lamette, obviously. And you, you look at that trade, and they tried to add some other pieces. You know, the Rosenthal thing, that... It happened. They tried. It didn't work out. He got hurt, and he still hasn't pitched since then. And it's an example where the Brewers are kind of at here again, too, right? They're stuck in between. They can certainly sell, and they've got some pieces to sell, as we all know. The big three are all up at the end of next season, so small market teams have to get creative in what they're going to try to get out of those guys. Or they can go for it. And trade a little bit of their prospect capital, but then the the catch there is, well, this big three is done after the end of next year. And the reason they haven't been extended yet, right? So, I mean, the writing's kind of on the wall. doesn't seem like those three guys are going to be sticking around. I would hope at least one of them sticks around. But remember, it's a two-way street. You can offer an extension. They can say no. And we haven't heard terms or anything like that uh, to this point. If there's been an extension... We know there's been talks, but we don't. We haven't heard firm numbers. We haven't heard anything about who said yes, who said no, or anything like that. I'm sure that'll come out in due time. But the point being is you don't know where you stand even at this time next season, let alone by the trade deadline at the end of July. This is the flux the Brewers are in. The Central being so bad hurts the situation 
Because if the Cardinals or the Reds were running away with it, up by like eight games right now, and you really feel like you're out of it, it makes that decision a little bit easier, right? Hey, let's reload for 2024. But right now you're like, man, just get in. Just get in. And there are reasons that they can do that and reasons that I think they can be buyers and reason I think they can be sellers. And we're going to get into all those questions coming up in just a little bit. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. We're going to talk about the prospects in the farm. When is Sal Freelick getting here? He's, that's the number one question I got. Let's talk about him up next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back. Dom Catronia with you, Brewers Weekly. You can always catch it on demand. Brewers All Access is the feed to follow. All of these episodes are posted there, as well as our post-game shows and Brewers 360 in the mornings as well. A couple of texts that I've rolled in here already, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Here in the 262, uh, a texter coming in. It's simple. This is maybe a 500 team. They're bottom three in most offensive category. They simply can't hit as a whole. You're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong, uh, unnamed texter. I, I think the offense is going to be the reason the Brewers make or don't make the playoffs. The pitching's done enough. Is the pitching perfect? No. Is the pitching as strong as we thought it would be? No. But injuries have certainly impacted that. But the offense has been the story in the wrong way so far. Mike in Colorado also, also texting in. Talking about the farm system, perhaps answer a question for me. What happens when players get optioned down to AAA? How does that affect the roster in Nashville? For example, if a Brewer player gets set, sent down to Nashville, then does that Brewer player bump a Nashville player out of the Nashville roster? Does it trickle down to the other farm clubs? Thanks for the text, Mike. Uh, it's not quite that simple, but in theory, yes. But not necessarily a guy being shuttled between Biloxi and Nashville. AAA roster rules are very, very different. They changed a couple of years ago. I don't fully understand it, but you can have a bigger roster in Nashville. You have a limit of how many big league guys you're allowed to have, a limit of how many 40-man guys you're allowed to have, how many big league rehab you're allowed to have. But a AAA roster is meant to be flexible, knowing that they are there to serve the big league team. The biggest reminder, and one of my favorite prospect writers back when I was working for the Rangers, reminds fans of this over and over and over again. The only reason the minor leagues exist are to help the big league club win games. That's the only reason. they got to shuttle a guy all over the place. I've heard horror stories of other organizations that can't make a decision on a guy who's starting and who they're going to call up, and they have multiple flights booked, and they don't know what to pick. It's chaos between AAA and the big leagues, especially on a team that is in flux or needs a lot of guys or has injuries, things of that nature. So it's a good question, Mike. The roster in Nashville allows you to be pretty flexible, but the 40-man is where it gets really hairy. When the 40-man is full, like it currently is right now for the Brewers, that's when you're seeing guys in and out of the organization. That's when you're seeing guys DFA'd, claimed on waivers. You're getting fancy with the 60-day IL, things of that nature. Uh, most recently, transaction-wise for the Brewers, John Singleton did clear waivers, by the way, and he elected free agency. So John Singleton is no longer in the Brewers organization. Uh, wish him well. He, I enjoyed chatting with him. Didn't work out, and has come back to the big leagues. I don't know what his next steps are. Trevor McGill was optioned today down to AAA in Nashville. There will be a corresponding move tomorrow. The Brewers have not announced what that move will be. I imagine it would be a pitcher, uh, given the bullpen and what they need out there. It you know, could be a Tyson Miller. Um, it, it, it could be a Ethan Smallback. It, it could be something like that. I, I just see another bullpen arm coming back up to replace Trevor McGill. Let's get to some of these questions that I got 
on Twitter throughout the uh, last 24 hours. If you got a question about the farm, we're going to talk about prospects and farm here, talk about the offense in the next segment, the deadline in the following segment, and then upper management in the uh, penultimate segment of the show. Probably the number one question I got was, when is South really coming up? And it, yeah, I mean, it, it's totally valid. Uh, a couple of guys, David and Ian, David specifically saying just call up all the kids. Uh, and Ian, when is Freelich called up? Looking at the box score from today, they played uh, Norfolk today. Norfolk, one of the better teams in AAA so far this season. But Nashville won 7-1. to one. Good stuff. South Freelich, one for four. Two strikeouts, no walks, uh, just a single. That's it. Pretty quiet day for him. He is just coming back from thumb surgery. Or not surgery, I beg your pardon. Just thumb rehab uh, from the jam thumb he had about seven weeks ago. What you need to look out for with Sal is that there isn't a fall-off. I I want to see him hit his way to the big leagues, but at the same time, like if he's going to help the team win, the job's to win games. And at least Jesse Winker finally got that monkey off his back hitting a home run. But I think one thing that's going to have to happen for Sal is he has to prove he's ready. Uh, unless there's an injury and there's a pressing need to get an outfielder up. So, Sal needs to prove that he's ready to go, right? A little more polished. Remember, he's barely played in AAA. Okay? He made it up there at the end of last season, but he's barely played at the highest level of minor league baseball. We kind of saw the same. Now, Bryce had a full season of AAA last year, came up to the big leagues, and he got overmatched, and now he's learning again in AAA that he could be a good enough player to come back to the big leagues. But keep in mind... Sal Felix only played 178 professional games. Just shy of 850 plate appearances in his minor league career, which is a good number. This year in Nashville, he's hitting 266, a 736 OPS. He has 10 walks and 12 strikeouts, 6 stolen bases, 4 doubles, a triple, and a homer. He's going to be a spark plug if he comes up. For the actual answer to the question, I could see him up if he keeps hitting, if he performs, I could see him up by the end of July and be that spark. If not, if the Brewers slow play it, if they wait until after the deadline to bring him up, I think he's definitely up at some point in August. Look at the track. I said this on the postgame show on Monday night, or on Sunday, I think, that when Garrett Mitchell arrived last year, there was a spark in that last month. It was too little too late. Look at the first month of this year. Bryce, Joey playing so great. Gus Varlin was a fun story for the first month of the season. Now he's back with the Dodgers, right? I, You saw rookies provide a spark. Sal Freelich could be another spark. Uh, another question from the prospect land, what's going on with Tyler Black? What do I need to know? Well, Tyler Black actually just moved up into the uh, top 10 for MLB Pipeline's uh, top 30 for the uh, Brewers. He's only 22 years old. He's got a ridiculous bat-to-ball skill. I don't think you're going to see him up in the big leagues this year. He's only 22 again. He was a sandwich pick back in 2021, meaning a competitive balance pick. 33rd pick overall. I could see him up in the big leagues next year, though. That's for sure. His numbers are absolutely bonkers, despite dealing with injuries last season. He also played in the fall league last year, trying to get some more at-bats in. Batting average is overrated, but it's 267 in a pitcher's league. But his on-base is 435 in AA as a 22-year-old. That's ridiculous. 
A 9-11 OPS, that's ridiculous. Nine homers, that's good. Nine other extra base hits, that's also good. But 39 stolen bases. I talked about him last week. More reason to highlight him today. Tyler Black, you may or may not hear about him coming up in trade discussions. We all know Jackson Trudio is untouchable. We know that. And I would hope to think a guy like Tyler Black is untouchable, too, when it comes to trade trying to acquire guys. But that's the name a lot of teams are going to be calling about. He's a top-10 prospect. He's got bat-to-ball skills. He doesn't strike out. Keep an eye out for Tyler Black, as somebody the Brewers are going to be looking forward to. Another question came in about Keston Hira. And today he hit a home run, which is perfect to talk about Keston. What do you do with Keston Hira if he continues to hit well in Nashville? When does he arrive in the big leagues? He went one for four in his first game back with Nashville today. He also struck out three times. So you see the one highlight, but he also struck out three times, which is the number one request of the Brewers to try to get him right. Stop striking out so much. This year in AAA, he's got 38 strikeouts and 153 plate appearances. That's just a little higher than league average, right about 25%. League average is 22%. Remember in the big leagues, he was 35-40% strikeout rate. You know everyone's strikeout rate is going to increase when you go to the big leagues. The thing with Keston, I want him up as badly as you do. The thing with Keston is you don't get a second chance. This is the second chance, right? He got DFA'd in spring training. Nobody wanted him. Cleared waivers. Stayed in the organization. Now he's tearing the cover off the ball. If he comes back... You won't get that benefit of the doubt. Somebody's going to pluck him, and somebody's going to take him to their organization. On the flip of that, I say, you know what? If you call up Keston Hira, and it doesn't work out, he's not hitting like he did in AAA, and these new swing changes that he's done are really, really looking great, and they don't stick in the big leagues, then quite frankly, this may not be your year. If you're looking for some kind of offense at first base and DH, and Keston Hira, your last hope can't do it, and your last chance having him, I don't know what you're going to get. Because I'm going to talk about the market in a little bit in a couple segments here. The market's not great for hitters, guys. Not great at all. So what the Brewers have is they it's a performance issue. It's not a roster issue. It's a performance issue. And we'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. But when will Keston arrive? I honestly, I could see a scenario he's up before the end of the first half. I really could see a scenario like that. If he keeps hitting, uh, if he goes on like a quick six-game hitting streak here and he's clearly fine and he's healthy again from his knee, you can't waste any more time. The, the big thing to note, Keston's not on the 40-man roster, so there would need to be a corresponding move with that. So keep that in mind. Uh, Mike clarified on the text line, Na- Nashville guy is getting bumped out of playing time. Yes, that's generally what happens. Uh, life of a minor leaguer. The great saying, one of my favorite phrases in all of baseball, don't like it, play better. It's truth. Don't like it, play better. You get to play more then. When you play more, everyone's happy. When you're playing more, hopefully you're playing better. Don't like it, play better. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the offense, try to diagnose some of the issues. A lot of questions having to come with that. 855-616-1620. If you want to join in, 855-616-1620. WTMJ is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, let's uh, figure out the offense here. I'm Dominic Catronio, 855-616-1620. Let me preface this. I'm not a hitter. I topped out at JV Baseball. Not a very good hitter. Never could hit. I could catch, I could play defense, I could do everything but hit. 
And I'm not going to talk to a guy about mechanics. I'm not going to act like I know how to hit. And I know there are people's job that know how to hit. Ozzie Timmons, Connor Dawson, the players on this team. One thing I will never, ever, 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 ever do is call for somebody's job on this show. I, I don't roll like that. I've lived, I've lived and worked in baseball my entire life. I know the real side of it. You can recognize something is underperforming, and I can leave it at that. I'm, I'm cool with that. If you don't want to listen because of that, that's fine. You can have your opinion on that. I'm going to have mine. I'm not going to call for anybody to lose their job. That being said, this is a performance-based business. And I know the Brewers have gone through their hitting coaches the last couple of years, and it's been a, a tough job to hold, and it's not a singular guy's fault. But as the saying goes, it's easier to fire the coach than it is to fire the team. And I root that they're going to figure this out. I root that this offense can get going in the right direction. But now the sample size is too big to ignore of what's been going wrong. So let, let's talk a little bit about it. Kevin asking a couple of questions about the back of the baseball card. This comes from Jeff Cirillo on our post-game shows. That's one of his go-to trademarks. When you keep talking about the back of the baseball card, but you look at the back of the baseball card and the Brewers are underperforming compared to that back of the baseball card, what needs to happen? Where do the improvements need to go? With It's a fair critique. You know Why, is, why are the numbers not matching up? And again, I go back to execution. The Brewers executed for one month this season, and that was April. The league made an adjustment to them. They haven't made the adjustment back. They've shown it in flashes, but they haven't been able to get the job done. What I see with the back of the baseball card is sample size. I see now you're seeing more and more chances for teams to figure you out. I mean, Willie Adamas is struggling right now. Rowdy Telez is struggling right now. And that's your 3-4 hitter, right? And then Jesse Winker struggling until he got placed on the IL, and so far so good coming back from the IL. But that's your two, three, four hitters right there. And everyone's like, oh, stop stop batting Winker second. Stop batting Willie third. Stop batting Rowdy fourth. Okay, who's going to bat there? They're batting there because of the back of the baseball card. Who are you going to put second? Owen Miller? Fine. Okay, who are you going to put third? William Gutierrez? He's ice cold too. Until that double the other night, he was really struggling in the extra base hit category. Who are you going to put cleanup? You need power there. So it's more about execution to me than it is about the back of the baseball card lying to you. They're there because they have experience because of that back of the baseball card, and they are not succeeding in their roles right now. That being said, with the offense, Kevin brings up a good point. They've been in the top 10 in the league in strikeouts every year for the last few years. Strikeouts are up across the board. Everybody strikes out now. And when you look at rankings, sometimes you can get lost in the ranking number and not look at actually how many strikeouts it is or strikeout rates for that matter. When I look at the Brewers numbers, I'm pulling it up right now, their strikeout rate this season is 25.8%. That is the second highest rate in baseball, so let's just round it up, 26%. League average is 23%. Every out matters, every at-bat matters. 
But when you say second, you're like, oh my gosh, it must be terrible. But there's a whole logjam within the 24% the 24% number and the 23% number. And 1% is a lot of strikeouts. I know. But everybody is striking out a lot. The only teams that aren't striking out a lot, the Diamondbacks, who we just saw, no guy who doesn't strike out a lot, Sal Freelich. Uh, another team doesn't strike out a lot. The next opponent, the Guardians, they have the second lowest strikeout rate at 19%. I, I I see what you're getting at with the strikeouts, Kevin, but everybody's striking out. And some Craig Council said this in spring training, too, talking about the fact that you can live with strikeouts with a certain level of production, talking about Keston here specifically. You don't mind striking out if you're hitting 20 homers, Right. You don't mind striking out if your OPS is over 850. There's balance to it. So there's the new wave of thinking is, well, what what difference is a ground out to second and a strikeout? You're still out. And then the, the old school thing is, well, you put the ball in play. Anything can happen when you put the ball in play. You're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. But the game is played at a speed that we've never seen before. Pitchers are better than we've ever seen before. Strikeouts are naturally going to go up. And baseball is trying to figure out what to do with that. At least I think the shift ban has been a massive win, a massive move forward. But appreciate the question, sir, Kevin. David asks, why does it always seem to be home run or or bust? It feels a lot worse right now because the fact the Brewers aren't hitting home runs. When Jesse Winker, a guy who's here to hit home runs, hits his first homer of the season on Saturday, or excuse me, on Tuesday, you're thinking, okay, Finally, the designated hitter finally got the hit. Good. Willie Adamas set a record for shortstops last year for Brewers history. Hasn't been hitting as many homers. He's been stuck on 10. Rowdy has been stuck on 12, right? It feels worse because those three guys that are here to hit homers aren't hitting homers. And furthermore, it feels boomer bust because two of the main guys that you thought of of helping this team be less boomy would be Garrett Mitchell and Bryce Terang. Bryce didn't perform in the big leagues, and Garrett Mitchell is hurt. So those are two candidates that would have helped out with the boom bust of leveling it back over to the get on base, create pressure, create havoc. And that's just not the way they've been formed uh, at this point dealing with all the injuries. Uh, Another question coming in uh, about the trade deadline and some offense. Who can you get? What kind of uh, players are actually available? And what could fit the Brewers? We're going to talk about the deadline. We're going to talk about targets. We're going to talk about... Who could be putting on a Brewers uniform if they decide to be buyers? All about the trade deadline coming up next, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Appreciate this mailbag episode of Brewers Weekly. As we head into the trade deadline season for the next month or so, I'm Dominic Catronio. What needs to click for the Brewers on this Mailbag edition. This is how we're going to lead us into the deadline to decide if they're going to be buyers or they're going to be sellers. What are the top two or three ways the Brewers can take control? This is from Brewers Micro on Twitter. Number one way that the Brewers can get back on track, get Corbin Burns right. He's got a 1.1 F4. That's less than Miles Michaelis, less than Jesus Lazardo, less than Jack Flaherty. Right? you got to get Corbin right. This dude won a Cy Young two years ago. He was a really good pitcher last year, top seven in Cy Young voting a year ago. So you get him right, that's already going to help you win a few more games. Number two, as we talked about with the offense the last time, where's the power? I know the 
Batting average is not sexy. It's 218, one of the worst in the league. On-base percentage, also one of the worst in the league. But I'm especially worried about the slugging percentage, given you have guys on this team that are here to slug, right? This roster was built to hit some homers, not just be a contact team, not not to be a Cleveland Guardians-type team, right? Their 363 team slugging is one of the worst. That is not pretty at all. And finally, find the spark, as I talked about earlier in the show. Could it be Sal Freelich? Could it be Keston Hira? Could it be an outside acquisition? Find that spark. Last season, it was Garrett Mitchell, but it was too little too late. 2021, it was Willie Adamas. What's the new spark going to be for the Brewers? Those are a couple of ways that I can see them taking control. Twitter handle at Pride of Cucamonga tweeting in, are they going to be buyers or are they going to be sellers? What needs to happen if they're going to do both? All right, let us let me give you a caveat, though. Are they going to be buyers or are they going to be sellers? Remember, Brandon Woodruff being on his way back helps, but I'm still erring caution. They're projecting all-star break-ish time, but we should hear about a rehab assignment here soon, I would hope, of when he's going to start throwing more consistently off the mound. It all hinges on Brandon Woodruff, in my opinion. If he is not going to be healthy, if he's going to miss more time than initially worried and initially feared, I'm concerned. Because then, you know, there's a guy that you were banking on, trying to get him going, trying to get him back. And then furthermore, if this leaks into next season, and this is hypothetical speaking, I'm not saying this is going to happen. If this leaks into next season, you're, you're really panicking. So if he's not healthy, that might lean you to the seller side of the of the thing. And it also might mean you got to call up even more of the kids. Somebody like Bryce Terang, somebody like Keston will already be up. But Abner Uribe of the bullpen could be up. He's already on the 40-man. They just had to DFA Cam Robinson to clear a 40-man spot the other day. He cleared waivers. He's had a tough year. There are other guys I look at that maybe you add to the roster that have performed well. It's and By the way, South Freelick is not on the 40-man, so you need to add him on if he's going to make it to the big leagues. But you might be in sell mode. Given if Brandon Woodruff's not going to be around, then what do you do? But if Woodruff's healthy, let's say the positive outlook. Woodruff's healthy. I would do one of two things. I would actually add a bullpen arm before I add a bat. Ease a little bit of the pressure. And I've got some targets on here as well. Furthermore, then you try to find a power bat. Okay, now there are not many, and specifically a rental. There are not many rentals out there that the Brewers could realistically get. And then the hypothetical that made me smile from Brutal Takes. If the Brewers could acquire anyone other than Shohei, who would you want? Oh, it's Paul Goldschmidt. It's not a question for me. It's Paul Goldschmidt. He would fit the roster perfectly. Right-handed bat, torches lefties, solves the problem of an everyday first baseman. It could really, really be helpful for him there. But that's just a hypothetical. It's not going to happen. Who are my targets? Top three attainable bats. This is from Brewers Raptor on Twitter. And he also followed up, are the Rockies and White Sox actual trade partners? Are they going to ask for too much given that they're at rebuild processes? If the Rockies want to do a trade with you, do it. They have not been good at trades lately. A guy that I point out is hurt right now, but I wonder if he's able to come back. He's in Arizona right now rehabbing C.J. Crone. He's dealing with back spasms right now. I think C.J. Crone, first baseman, right-handed hitter, can post some power numbers. Can platoon easily with Rowdy at first, or he could DH. 
I like C.J. Crone. Number two, this is a bit of a stretch. This is going to be a costly trade. Chaz McCormick. Chaz McCormick's barely been playing with the Astros. But he's somebody that can hit lefties, can play outfield. He can probably have too many outfielders, have to figure something out there. But he's controllable means why his price would be a little bit higher. And he's done it in the biggest stage. He's won a World Series title. Chaz McCormick. And finally, this is the stretch for a power batter or just a legitimate bat. Justin Turner. I know a lot of folks wanted him last offseason. He was too rich for their blood. The Red Sox are still on the outside looking in playoffs-wise. They're in a weird funk. It's a $14 million player option next year, but a $6.7 million opt-out for Justin Turner. I don't think that's too rich for the Brewers' blood. A couple of other targets reliever-wise, specifically from these two teams, the Rockies and White Sox. I look at Pierce Johnson, the closer of the Rockies. Certainly a candidate to help you. I doesn't need to close. you got Devin Williams. He can pitch the 7th or the 8th inning. I like Pierce Johnson being a target. I like Kendall Graveman being a target down with the White Sox. Maybe even a Keenan Middleton. He's been having a resurgent year with the White Sox. He's a free agent to be. Do you spend the money and go get a Joe Kelly? Those are a couple of options that I see when it comes to targets between those two teams, Rockies and White Sox, and some three attainable bats that could happen for the Brewers. Uh, Doug and Baraboo, thanks as always for listening. You've been waiting patiently. You're live here on Brewers uh, Brewers Weekly. Yeah, good evening, Dom. Say, I wanted to just bring up uh, Keston here because I know you've talked about him tonight, and I heard you talk about a couple of weeks ago, and it kind of gets into this, you know, the uh, the Triple A. Uh, double A people that come up and 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 go back down and and I'm sure you're aware of it yourself. You know, in 2019 when uh, Keston came up and he had that 300 uh, batting average and uh, he was he was only like striking out like a third of the time. Then last year he came up and uh, he you know his after three years his highest batting average is like 226 and he was striking out about a third of the time. And I, to me, he's one of the most interesting candidates that the Brewers have had in the minors. And I'm sure you're aware of it. He's, was it three times? He's been uh, back and forth. He comes up and hits after that first year, he'll hit the, that low average. He goes back down to uh, Nashville and he'll have a four, one time even at 400, I think, uh, year, last year, the year before. And I, I, I just wonder with, that to me is so interesting because I always felt if we ever lost a guy, maybe he would become a Nelson Cruz that we had years ago where they, they let him go and all of a sudden he became one of the best hitters in baseball. I don't even know what, what I'm asking, but <laughs> do you really think that he, he can hit when he gets back, if he comes back up? You got to find out one way or another, right, Doug? I mean, you got to find out. It's, it, it, what else could go wrong? You know, if it goes wrong, if he doesn't perform, okay, you you already cut him in spring training. So you kind of saw this coming. It it doesn't hurt them. Someone else is going to pick him up, but it doesn't hurt them. I think it's going to – I really believe in Keston. I think he's a great player. I think he's a great kid. And I think that he's got a chance with this extra opportunity to go and run with it. And sometimes when your back's against the wall, knowing that you can't fail again, or you're going to go to another team, you're going to suddenly – the Brewers are going to lose you. That can help everybody perform better. So that's one thing. Appreciate the call, Doug. We're up against the break here. I want to talk about a correct counsel question I got, talking about his contract status. That's up next on Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. 
I'm up against the end of the show here, so I'm really going to kind of power through these last couple of questions. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Weekly, if you're listening on podcast form. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock here on WTMJ. Chris tweeting in, When will someone in the media go to the source, council, about his lame duck manager status? Is it his call or upper management's that nothing has been talked about with his status in the future? I looked all over my computer, Chris, because I remember on Media Day, I was trying to find this clip specifically, that Craig Council was asked about this. And... I'm going to reenact it for you here, okay? I'm going to be the reporter and Craig Council. You'll be able to tell when I'm Craig Council. Craig, with your contract status right now, you know, not being signed through next season, is there any? No. That's exactly how the exchange went. It's his call. It's not management. It's not. It's his call. Trust me. From who I have talked to in the Brewers organization, if Craig Council wants it, it's his. He is at an interesting time in his life. Kids off to college, one more kid entering high school, uh, two kids in college, I should say, and one more kid entering high school. He's done everything he can for baseball, everything he can in baseball, except win as a World Series in his hometown. He's won two rings as a player. He wants one for the Brewers. I think the buying and selling certainly matters. What will the Brewers look like next season will kind of help him decide if he's going to stick around. Because I don't think he wants to go through another rebuild phrase. One last quick thing about upper management. Somebody asked about it, why haven't Mark Adonacio and Rob Manfred talked about specifically what the Brewers want for all this money. Uh, I'm going to put this in the show notes. The Milwaukee General Sentinel and Tom Dakin actually have that list. So it'll be in the show description on the Milwaukee General Sentinel, breaking down what they were requesting on that original $270 million. Uh, it's a lot for me to break down here, but again, Pay for your local journalism. You'll see about it. Take my last break. Have a couple seconds on the backside. Stay with us. Is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Last couple seconds of the program here. Thank you for everybody who tuned in and had some questions for this show. Ran long up against the breaks and everything, but it was a lot of fun. We got extra innings for you tomorrow after the opener against the Guardians. Tune in with us and we'll have some fun talking some more about the Brew Crew as they hit a big stretch. No more off days till the All-Star break. My thanks to Matt Sossler, our producer. I'm Dom Catronio. Until next time, keep on swinging.